been so exciting. But again, let me just let me remind you of what's about to happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, starting next Sunday is the series at the movies. And in case you've never been here, you'll come in the door. There'll be decorations. There'll be free popcorn, free Coke. Uh, we're going to have many characters here taking pictures from different movies and so on. And it's just going to be a vibe. We come in, there's normally theme music from movies. Uh, and, and here's the purpose of it, just so you know, it's a 100% evangelistic series. It's for those people and those friends that you have that may not be interested in coming to church because of what they think church is. And so it's an opportunity for you to get people in the door. Every sermon I'll preach to movie clips, so I'll show about three movie clips from a particular movie and preach from them. Uh, the gospel is presented every Sunday, and it's just a great vibe. And so we wanna, I want to really ask you and encourage you to invite people here. We've got handouts. There's QR codes. Get people in the building. As Zenobia said yesterday, we were inviting people. We were at the YMCA on Tuesday night inviting people. And then we keep hearing a lot about this. We keep hearing this response. You know, I've been looking to get back in the church. And, and so what a great opportunity to bring people in for four weeks, let them experience that. Uh, and, and again, just in such a fun, great environment. I do want to give you two announcements about this series that I gave you last week in case you weren't here. Number one is because of copyright issues, we will not be able to live stream this series. And so we will be putting on something special for all of our online family. But if you are here and you are in the area, if you want to participate in this series, you're going to have to physically be in the building. You won't be able to watch it online. Um, that's another way to get you uh, off your couch and get you in here. And so it's just another great opportunity to be together, to fellowship, and to be a part of that. Last, uh, we are going to stick with just the 9 o'clock service as we go into August. We, we were planning that we might go back to 9 and 11, but we're going to let that happen more organically. We've got our overflow room open and ready. It provides about another 40 chairs. And so we're planning on packing this place out. And then as we need, we will then bring back in the 11 o'clock service. But we're also trying to build our dream team in the process. So let me just encourage you real quick that over the next four weeks, we're going to see a lot of people come into this church that don't know Jesus, and they're going to be able to hear the gospel, and they're going to be loved by you because that's the culture of our church, and they're going to decide to follow Jesus. And we want to provide great kids ministry. We want to provide great production ministry. We want to provide great first impressions ministry. That's when they walk in the door, they feel the culture of grace and love and mercy. And I just want to challenge you because I hear this a lot. People go, man, y'all must have it going on because everything's working so well. We always need more help. We always need more kids workers, more production workers, more worship team members, more first impression leaders. So if you love this church and you call this church your family, do us a favor. Go check out Growth Track. Get on the team and help us serve because I have a feeling that it's fixing to take off. And we want to be able to have the strongest team that we can in providing the great ministry. Amen, church. Here we go. So do me a favor, do that, and uh, we would really, really appreciate it. All right, you ready for the finale of Beatitudes? All right. Um, hey, y'all been enjoying this series? Is, have you enjoyed it? All right, good. Just making sure. Uh, I heard one, one person told me, they said, you know what? I wasn't really excited about it when you mentioned it because it's the Beatitudes and it's kind of boring. They said, but I think it may be the fa the, my favorite series we've ever done as a church. And so that has, has to do, as Kristen was talking about, singing the Word of God. The Word of God, when you just break it down like we're doing, it's life changing. So if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. If you got your phones, you can turn that as well, and it will be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read through all of the Beatitudes, and then I'm going to share our final one and then break it down for a little bit today. Here we go. Get ready. Buckle up. Get your, get your seatbelts on. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, 
He's getting ready to preach his famous Sermon on the Mount. He goes up to the mountainside, and he sits down, and he invites his disciples over to him, and he begins to teach them. And here's what he says. He starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about how poor in spirit is that concept of letting go and letting God. The world tells you to hang on tight. God says, just let go. Just let go. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We talked about how Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that was the concept of us bending down so we can lift other people up because that's what Jesus did. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We talked about hungering for the presence of God and how being with him makes us righteous. Not what we do, but what he did. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. And we talked about the importance of us being merciful to people because, again, we've been shown that mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we talked about how to purify our hearts and how they're purified because of Christ and so on. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. We talked last week about being makers of peace and that we'll be like our father because children are like their father. And then here's our beatitude for today. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that the beatitude started with the kingdom of heaven being ours and it ends with the kingdom of heaven being ours. I want to talk to you just for a moment from this concept, persecuted but not perplexed. That word perplexed means confused. So I'm persecuted, but I understand why I'm being persecuted. The other day I was driving through Smyrna, Darla and I live in Smyrna, and uh, driving on Sam Ridley Parkway and getting ready to turn into that area where Target and Hickory Falls and Starbucks and all that is, and um, I'm just kind of in my own zone. It had been a good day. I had woken up, went to the gym, had some time with Jesus. I'm riding, had a couple of good meetings, listening to some worship music. I was just in that good place, if y'all know what I'm talking about. And when you're in a good place, you kind of drive a little bit slower, you know what I mean? You're a little bit more peaceful, just kind of patient. Yeah, you go ahead, you get that parking space. I need the miles, you know what I mean? You're just kind of happy about being alive. And so I turn into that area, and I can see this car behind me kind of swerving. You know, this individual obviously does not have the peace of the Lord. And so I'm just like, in my mindset, I was like, I'll just drive slow and let this person get around me and go do what they want to do because I'm in peace and they're not, you know, all those kinds of things. And, and I guess the individual beside me had those same feelings. And so we both all of a sudden just started kind of coasting, you know what I mean? We're just kind of so, and it's making this individual mad. And you, you can just see him. The person's going back in our lane and back in their lane and back in our lane and back in their lane. And, and eventually the person to my right had to turn and I pull up to the red light. And, you know, if you're at a red light, there's just an instinction in you to, like, look over and see who's beside you. You know, that, and I was wondering, like, who is this, you know, crazy person? And so I'm at this red light, and I just look over, and this woman is looking right at me, and she just flips me off right there at the red light. And, uh, and I, <laughs> I had a lot of emotions at this moment. You know, at first I was like, why? Like, you don't even, you don't even know who I am. But I was in, like, such a good mood that I just looked at her and started laughing. I was just like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it was cool. I was like, whatever, you know, flip me off. And, and she drove away, mad as could be. I think she went to Coles because all angry people go to Coles. And, and I'm sorry. And, and I just kept on driving. And I started talking to the Lord, and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't even know what she's been through, Jesus. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of day she's had. Here I am just talking about Jaira. You know, I'm just enjoying. And she's all mad, listening to Nickelback, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and just angry at the Lord. And so... Nickelback and Coles, you know what I mean? Just where all sinners go. I'm sorry. Uh, 
I love Kohl's, guys. I'm joking. I probably got this shirt at Kohl's. Um, oh, bring it back in. Holy, Kristen, come back up here and take this back for one more time. Look, over the past few weeks, y'all, we have been asked or, or been encouraged by the Lord to, to do a lot of things, to, to be meek, to be merciful, uh, to be pure in heart, to be makers of peace. And these are all really good things. And so when we hear these things, we assume that by being these things or by doing these things, that people are going to automatically love us more. That if I'm meek, people will love me. If I'm merciful, if I'm peaceful, if I'm pure in heart, people are going to love me. But that's, that's just not the case. Um, in fact, it's living out these past beatitudes that actually put us in a position where we need the beatitude I'm about to talk about today. It's living out beatitudes one through seven that actually set us up with the opportunity to being persecuted. When we are meek, there's an opportunity for us to then be persecuted. When we are merciful, there's an opportunity for us to be persecuted. When we are pure of heart, when we are poor in spirit, when we are uh, all of these different things, we actually open the door other people to then in return persecute us for it. We think that we'll automatically be loved, and sometimes we are, but sometimes it kind of backfires or so, and we find ourselves actually being attacked when we thought we were being positive and loving. I actually think that if Jesus had a PR person, that, that this would have been the part in his speech where he would have said, hey, we need to cut this out. Like, like, so far, everybody's with you. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, be meek, be merciful, be pure in heart. These are awesome things, Jesus. You got the crowd. They're on their toes. They're excited. And then Jesus goes, all right, and here's my last one. And the PR guy's like, what is it? And he's like, blessed are those who are persecuted. And the PR guy's like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, people are going to leave you, Jesus, because they don't want to be persecuted. So let's just, can we just take this out and just say, like, Blessed are, you know, those, you know, or they get the right parking space or something. Let's just take something out. Let's not do this. But Jesus left it in there. And I actually think he made it the ending on purpose. And if you read through Matthew chapter 5, you'll see he actually talks about it twice. It's the only beatitude that he kind of repeats. And I think he does it because he understands this, that persecution is inevitable for those who follow Christ. When we follow Jesus, when we live for Jesus, persecution is inevitable. Every disciple died for the gospel. Every disciple but one was murdered for the gospel. And the one who wasn't murdered was tortured, but just eventually released and left to die from old age. Every person in the Bible and all the way up to our day today, if they lived a life for Jesus, there was moments of persecution. And here's why. It's inevitable because living for Jesus is in opposition to living for the world. They just don't, it's like oil and water. They don't mix. But, but let me give you another perspective of that. When we start living for Jesus, we're meek and we're merciful and we're a peacemaker, the world doesn't know how to handle that. I'm, here's what I'm trying to say. We may not be, we, sometimes you may be persecuted because that person hates God. Like that does happen. It doesn't happen as often. That happens more in third world countries and so. It doesn't so much happen here. I think a lot of our persecution that we experience here is because people don't know what to do with us. They're not used to meekful people. They're, they're not used to merciful people. They're not used to peacemaking people. And so when they interact someone like that, they don't quite know how to deal with it. 
and they just respond, and their respond isn't quite what we thought it would be, and therefore it comes off as persecution. In some countries, people are dying for their faith. I get it. In some countries, people, we were actually praying before we came in here, and we were thanking God that we get to come in here today in air conditioner and worship God, as opposed to living somewhere where we might underground hoping that we don't get caught and get killed. So while I understand that we aren't running for our life to live for Jesus, we will experience our own kind of mistreatment if we stand for our commitment in Christ. We will. And so Jesus gathers his disciples, and after he goes through these beatitudes, he gets to the end, and he says in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are the persecuted, those that are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for a purpose. <laughs> He's not saying you're blessed when you're persecuted for your opinion, okay? He's not saying you're blessed when you're persecuted because you wanted it some way and you forced your way. He's saying blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Remember, we talked about righteousness. Righteousness is Christ. And so we're blessed when we're persecuted for Christ, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now understand that it needs to be noted that we are not rejoicing about our suffering because we enjoy pain. I don't ever want you to get that twisted, that Jesus is like, you should be excited that you're hurting. <laughs> you know, like that guy in the gym who's like smacking himself before he lifts weights, you know. Like Jesus is up there like on pre-workout twitching, you know what I mean? Like you should just be, ah, excited to be hurt. Like that's not what Jesus is saying, all right? He's not saying we should be excited about pain. He's saying that we should rejoice in the hope of God's glory being revealed through that pain. He's not saying that we are blessed because we experience pain. He's saying we, or, or we don't rejoice because we experience pain. He's saying we rejoice because there's an opportunity for the glory of God to be shown in that pain. Here's another way of saying it. Persecution is suffering that we receive so that someone else can experience the grace of God. When we experience persecution, it's suffering that you and I face in hopes that whatever it is we're going through provides the opportunity for that person to experience the same grace that you and I have experienced. I can guarantee you this. When the opportunity first came that you experienced Jesus, someone had been persecuted for you to experience that. It's just the way it works. I have uh, a, a pastor that I know of. He pastors in Alabama. His name is Chris. And before he ever got into ministry, he, was a, he worked a secular job. And one of his coworkers was a gentleman by the name of Muhammad, and he was of the Muslim faith. And so during his lunch break, he would go into the, the break time place and read his Bible. That's just what he would do, just read his Bible. And him and Muhammad were friends. Muhammad was a good guy, and you know, it wasn't any kind of animosity or anything. Like they, they were friends. But one day, Muhammad came into the break room, and he saw him reading his Bible. And he said, Chris, I can prove that you do not believe everything that's in that Bible. And Chris assumed that he was going to point out some verse or some perspective that he had never seen before. So Chris stands up, faces Muhammad, and goes to hand him his Bible. And when he goes through that, Muhammad slaps the fire out of him, just right across his right cheek, just wow, just smacks him, right? Some of y'all right now are like, I'd have been all, it'd have been over. Yeah, I'd have lost all my Jesus in that one moment. Um, you'd have started laying hands on him in the spirit of God. 
And so when he smacks him, Chris is like, what, you know, Muhammad, what did you do that for? And he said, if you believe everything in that Bible, you'll turn the other cheek. And so Chris is like, you know, oh my gosh. And so he's, according to him, he said, well, I tell you what, if that helps you believe the Bible, believe in God, he said, I'll turn the cheek. And he physically turned the other cheek. And as he turned the other cheek, Muhammad slapped him on the other cheek. Just hard as just ears ringing, you know, the whole deal. And Chris is standing there. Again, like I said, both ears ringing. Fire as some of y'all would have already been headed to prison. <laughs> and uh, he, he sits back down in his chair and starts reading his Bible again. And Muhammad says, Chris, you are the first real Christian I've ever met. Chris was like, you just going around slapping Christians? You know what I mean? <laughs> Try that next time in Publix. You know what I mean? Just, are you a believer? Yeah. Bow! You know, just see how, see how it works. If, if they moved here from Memphis, it won't be good for you. Okay? I'm just letting you know. Um, but here's why. I tell you that story because of this. Over, just a little over a year later, be, because this happened, Muhammad all of a sudden started wanting to hear about the God that Chris was serving. And so they, during lunch break, would have conversations about the Bible. And just over a year later, Chris was able to lead Muhammad in a prayer to receive Jesus as his Savior. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. And that's what I mean by suffering that you and I might experience. Now, you might not get slapped across the face every time, but would you take it? If it meant that a year later, better yet, if it meant that it might never happen, but it might that someone might come to know Jesus, suffering that you and I would experience so that somebody else can experience the grace of God that we experience? Let me help you understand this. Jesus knows what it's like to be punished for something he didn't do. He's very aware of that. And it was his persecution that gave us the opportunity to be saved. And how cool would it be if we would get to experience persecution so that somebody else would be saved? Now, I understand that's a hard statement, and I'm not standing up here pretending like that's not difficult for me. Uh, I was in a whole different spirit when that woman flipped me off. <laughs> Had it been a, a, a Thursday, you know, things might have got spicy. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what. I might have. Never mind. And so, but, but in that moment, I was just in a good headspace. And, and I just think that there's moments, if we view it like this, that maybe just maybe we could get persecution that would lead to somebody having the opportunity to experience Jesus Christ. And I really think that's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and trying to teach us is, hey, look, all of these things that I've been telling you to be, be them, but understand that there's going to be a point where you think you're good because you're merciful and you're meek and you're all these things, and you think everybody's just going to lay down a carpet for you as you walk in the door and tell them about the gospel. But understand that everybody, not, not everybody, is being influenced by God. Some people are being influenced by the world, and even though they want Jesus, they don't know they want Jesus. And there might be a moment where you clash with them and you'll be persecuted, but how you receive your persecution depends on what happens with them and their walk with God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you're blessed on purpose. You're blessed for a purpose because for you, you get eternity in heaven. Smack me if you want. I'm going to be walking on gold. You know what I mean? Like you do whatever, you know, do whatever has to happen. But my kingdom is heaven. And I hope yours is too. So if by me being persecuted opens the door for you, then blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, I say all that to say this. 
just because blessed are those who are persecuted doesn't mean that we just have to lay down and be used and abused in the process, okay? I actually believe that if we'll pay attention, God gives us grace to experience many things in the midst of our persecution. And I want to show you two things that I believe are very important, that if we will tune into the grace of God, if we will allow God to teach us and show us, we can experience these two things in the midst of persecution. And number one is this, we can live well. We can live well in persecution. That, that in this culture-shifting situation where there's all these different things that aren't godly trying to push onto us, I believe we can live well in the middle of it. Here's what I mean. Persecution is any time that a worldly culture attempts to force itself in place of a godly culture. That's persecution. I was talking to some friends, some of the worship team, and I said, you know, we don't really experience the chop your head off persecution in America like others do. Our biggest persecution is a worldly culture being pushed in to replace a godly culture. It's amazing what people will tell you about how to raise your kids, right? What you should do in your house. And it's all this push of a worldly culture. And any time that you've established a godly culture, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I believe. Anytime the world tries to push into that, that persecution. The goal of persecution is to get us to make a decision between God's way and the world's way. I was persecuted on Tuesday night. Let me share y'all. Let me share y'all this story. So Tuesday night, Kyle and Zenobi and me, we went to the YMCA to, to share about at the movies. And then uh, we had been told uh, our friend Tay Lewis. Y'all know Tay. He's on the worship team. Little Kevin Hart up here singing. Yep. Um, uh, he, he is a sorry. Mercy for you have been shown mercy. Okay. Um, Tay is a songwriter and a, and a performer. He's amazing. If y'all haven't, y'all need to check him out on Spotify. Get to know him. He's phenomenal. Uh, we are blessed to have him as a part of our church. And he, he was doing a show in what's called the Listening Room Cafe. And, and, I, and I love his music. And so we were like, we got to go. We got to listen to him. It's going to be great. And so Kyle and Zoe get in their car and Darn and I get ours. And, and Amber, thank God for you. You watched our child so we could go and be kidless because uh, nobody wants to take kids. Anyway, we won't get on that soapbox. And so we, we go to the show and we get there. And on the way there, Darla looks at me and she goes, are we going to eat dinner here? And I was like, you know, I don't know. Let's wait and see what the menu's like, because I'm cheap, all right? And so let's just, you know, let's just see how much things cost before we start making commitments in this car. And so we get to the event, we pay for parking, we get in there, and, and like I said, Kyle and Zoe were already there, and it's one of those dark room type vibes. So we get there, and the woman ushers us to the table where Kyle and Zoe are, and we sit down, and, and Tay's already singing, and I'm, you know, I'm jiving, you know, whatever, I don't know what that was. And, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it, and Darla looks back at me, she goes, so are we going to get food? And I said, well, hold on, I hadn't seen the menu yet. I need to see how much stuff costs. And Zoe leans over the table to me, and she goes, it's a $15 minimum. I said, say what? <laughs> she said, it's a $15 minimum per person. I said, what does that mean? She said, whether you eat or not, you're paying $15 per person. I have never felt so offended in my life. <laughs> Look, I was probably going to eat. $15 is not a lot of money. For food, you know, that's kind of the culture we live in today. And I was probably, but to tell me I have to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a grown man. Like, I, I, I don't have to do nothing. I got to die and pay taxes. That's all I got to do. You know, so there was like, there was this moment here where I didn't quite, I didn't quite know how to act. Like, I'm still looking at Zoe trying to be spiritual and everything in me is trying to be sinful. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know about this. Like, I'm, I don't know. And at that moment, I had three options. All right, here were my three options. 
Number one, I give in to their persecution. And I pay $15 for a cheeseburger. Number two, I start flipping tables like Jesus. Like, this is unheard of, you know what I mean? Take, get off the stage, you know, and just start going crazy. Or I can just get up and leave. I didn't want to. And so blessed are the persecuted. Because it cost me $40 for a cheeseburger. Can I get an amen? But I tell you that story, part to give a shameless plug for Tay, but the other part of it is this. Uh, in, in, in facing our persecution today, y'all, we're told we have three options. That we can either fight with those who disagree with us, right? We can even either give in to whatever happens, happens. Or we can disengage and avoid culture altogether. That, that's the options we're given. When, when you start to experience persecution of a worldly culture pushing into your godly culture, you can either, A, you can, you can fight with them. That's not, uh, uh, you know, um, face, die on Facebook or whatever it is that you know, we don't fight in real life today. You can, you can give into it. Sure, whatever you say is true. Let's do it. Let's do it. Or you can just disengage from culture altogether, making you ineffective for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what if? What if there's another option? What, what if we could actually engage our culture without compromising our faith? What if there's a fourth option? What if I don't have to give in to whatever they say? What if I don't have to fight with people who don't agree with me? What if I don't, don't have to just totally avoid and go, go get into some type of, you know, biblical bubble? What if there's a fourth option where I could actually engage culture and be involved with culture and influence people without compromising my belief in Jesus? I believe there is. Paul writes about this. He's writing to his disciple, Timothy, uh, he writes two letters to him, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. That means first letter, second letter, to Timothy, his disciple. And in chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this. He says, in fact, and y'all need to hear this, everyone who wants to get, live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you were sitting here going, well, I don't think I, God loves me too much. Everybody who lives for God is going to be persecuted. He says, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, watch this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and in what you have become convinced of. Paul says, listen, you're going to be persecuted, but don't run away from the culture that persecutes you. Learn how to be involved with the culture that persecutes you, but be confident in what you believe. Learn how to interact with lost people, but not give up what you are confident of. I am never surprised by lost people acting lost, right? So I should be able to engage with them without forgetting what it is that I believe in and what I'm confident of. To live a godly life in the middle of all of this friction that we're experiencing, we must determine our core convictions according to the Bible. Here's the big word. Before we face the pressure of culture, if we want to engage culture and not compromise our faith, we have to be confident of our core convictions before we face the pressure of culture. Can I give you one of the best lessons I ever learned in life? I am 37 years after church last week, a gentleman visited and I made a joke that I was 60. He walked up to me after church and he said, did you say you were 60? And I'm like, are we for real right now? 
I either look really bad for 37 or I look really good for 60. You know what I mean? Thank you, babe. You're the only one. And so I've, in 37 years of life, let me tell you top five, one of the best lessons I've ever learned. If you got notes, you want to write this down. It's not in any way biblical, but it's important. You ready? Do not grocery shop while you're hungry. Am I right? Come on. Just give God praise. Give God praise. Do not go into the grocery store. If you can do it, eat you a really big lunch and then go grocery shopping. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will only get a few things. But if you go in to the grocery store with an empty stomach, you are coming out with an empty wallet. <laughs> Am I right? Darla and I went grocery shopping the other day, and we hadn't eaten. I, I, I went to the gym, different things. It was like 1 or 2 in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten yet. And I'm walking through the aisles, y'all. You would have thought I was looking at, like, filet mignon. I'm like, cereal? <laughs> For 10 minutes, I stood in this one aisle, looking at this one item, trying to debate if I was going to buy it. It was an Eggo waffle-flavored Pop-Tart. How embarrassing am I? An Eggo waffle Pop-Tart? It looked glorious. You know what I mean? I was ready to drop $15 minimum on that Pop-Tart. But I was starving. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all go to the grocery store and start looking at everything. All these got that little bread section like chocolate chip muffins and they be marking them down. I'm just, y'all counseling me for free right now. All right, I'm just walking through just looking at it like, I see you. You know? You're going to get marked down 225. I see you. About to get you. It's just dangerous. It's bad. <laughs> I'm telling you, y'all, this is a bad day for us, y'all. Here's my point. The, the goal of living well isn't to create this list of do's and don'ts. The goal is to decide what we are convinced of so that when temptation comes, we aren't swayed by the wind. Listen to me. When we hear core convictions, we think that that's rules. We go, okay, we need to decide what rules we believe before we experience culture. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's you being filled on the presence of God so that when you walk into situations that would sway you if you were starving, and because you are full, you are not swayed. My mom moved here. I told you that last week that my mom and my sister moved in town. So this past week, me and my mom went to the grocery store to get us some groceries. And y'all know how moms are. She was like, baby, what you want? I'll get you this. I'll get you that. I was like, mom, I don't want anything. And she was like, you want this? And I was like, nope. She was like, you want this? I was like, nope. She's like, you want this? I went, nope. She's like, are you not hungry? I said, no, I'm full. Because when I'm full, I'm not swayed by every little thing. But when I'm starving, ego-flavored Pop-Tarts make sense. You know what I mean? And what the Bible's telling us is when we are filled on the presence of God before we face culture, then when the swaying comes that should not sway us, we are not moved. It makes sense that I'm not buying those Pop-Tarts. Some of us have done stupid things because we were starving for the Spirit of God. And when we're full, we don't give in to those things. You ever wondered how come Jesus could be hanging out with sinners and never be influenced by them? Like, how do you, how do you hang out with a bunch of gossipers and not get involved in the gossip? How could Jesus be hanging out with these promiscuous women and prostitutes and not be tempted? 
he's, he's, he's a man that's not married. How, how could he be interacting in culture and not compromise his faith? How, how does that work? Now, I understand you say, well, Jesus was the son of God. Like, I get it. The Bible says he's 100% man, he's 100% God. So if he's 100% man, he's 100% like us in those moments. So how does he not give in? Well, what I think Jesus did is I think he established his list of rules. He would not watch this show. He will not listen to this music. He will not do it. He established his rules. And then when he got out in public and people started challenging his rules, he stood up and said, these are my rules. I will not do that. That never worked for you? I've established a lot of rules. And then I get out, and the world comes at me, and my rules go in the toilet, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that the answer is establishing rules in advance. He says the answer is establishing relationship in advance, right? It's not having this list of do's. You can have all the do's and don'ts you want. But when you're weak, you're weak. But when it's relationship, when the rules just happen to be a result of the relationship, then you are not driven by the rules. You're driven by the relationship. I do a lot of weddings. I got three weddings coming up at the end of this year. And I'll never forget, I'm getting married. This was 17 years ago. Standing across from the most beautiful woman I've ever met in my life. She's everything to me, everything. And then the pastor, Pastor Ron, who was here with us a few months ago, starts going through the vows. I know the vows. Do you, Troy, take Darla to be your lawfully wedded wife in sickness and in health? And all these rules. You know what? I, 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 when I committed to that, it wasn't for the rules. It was the relationship. You can give me all the rules you want. I'm not driven by rules. I'm driven by relationship. Jesus could sit down in a room full of sinners and not lose his faith because he was driven by relationship with his father, not rules. Right? I love it. I have so many friends that will be talking to me. They're like, hey, you know, you want to come over? We're going to have some friends, that I, you know, friends of mine that are unsafe. And people will get nervous. <laughs> they're like, I don't know what it's going to be like to get you around people. I, I love unsaved people. My favorite people to hang out with are unsaved people. But I've never once walked in a room and been worried about my faith because I'm in love with Jesus. But I can love them. Do, do your thing. Do it. You have a good time. Party. Have it. Drop it low. Do whatever you need to do. But I'm so in love with Jesus that eventually you're going to learn that I'm not even worried about them ego-flavored Pop-Tarts. <laughs> you can have them. But it's not because of rules. Y'all, we've been taught as Christians that you're going to stand against the culture because of your rules. You will never, ever be able to engage culture standing on rules. But you will engage culture if you're overwhelmed with relationship. If you love Jesus, then, man, you can hang out with those people and you can love them and you can celebrate them and never once compromise your faith. You can be persecuted, and yet you can live well. Number two is we can love well. So while we're experiencing persecution, we can live well. Next, we can love well. 
This right here is probably my favorite statement I'm going to give you today, so if you're taking notes, write this down. We do not have to set the Bible aside to love people. We do not have to put it aside to love people. God loves people more than you do, and he wrote the Bible. (laughs) Catch that? We're being taught in this culture that you can either stand up for the word of God and hate folks, or you can love people and you have to put the Bible aside. But yet, the God of love wrote the Bible, so there should be no reason for me to have to set the Bible aside to love people. You ready for this? You ready? People are ready for God, but they want hope, not a debate. People are so ready for God, but they want hope. They don't want to hear our debates. They want to see hope in our life. My friends, Brett and Kristen, Brett's mom's in town, and I met her last year when we visited in California, and I instantly became one of her children, and it's just amazing. And so she's come in town, and we got to have dinner with them this week, and she wanted to treat Darla and I and our kids to this place called Jeremiah's in Murfreesboro. Y'all heard about this? It's an Italian ice, like snow cone place. Uh, It's delicious, and from what, what they do, their big special thing is they mix the Italian ice with soft serve ice cream. So it's like we had this place in Memphis called Jerry Snow Cones, and they would do that. And so it's like a little swirl of Italian ice and then a swirl of uh, soft serve ice cream, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Y'all know how it works, all right? It was good. And so we get to the place, and we go in, and everybody, all the kids are ordering. I'm the last person in line, and they're all ordering that little mixture thing. And I get up to the counter, and the lady's like, you know, what can I get you? And I said, I would like a cup of soft serve ice cream. I just, I love soft serve ice cream. And so she's like, you don't want the Italian ice mixture thing. And I was like, no, ma'am. And about that time, Brett goes, Troy, you got to taste this. And he hands me a little taster of like this orange sherbet type Italian ice. And so I taste it. And I love that. I love that flavor. And I was like, man, that's good. That's good. And I handed it back to him. And I looked at her and she goes, would you like to change your order? I was like, no, I would not like to change my order. Um, <laughs> back up off me, persecutor, you know? Uh, I said, no, I'm, I said, that's good, it's good. I said, but not, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with my cup of soft serve ice cream. And she goes, okay, but before, do you want to try any other flavors? And I was like, ah, and she starts naming it, and she gets the pina colada. And she's like, you want to try pina? I was like, I do want to try pina colada. So she goes and gets it in a cup. She brings it back, and I got my little spoon. And I mean, I ate the whole, I'm like licking the cup clean, you know. And, and I, I throw the cup away, and I look back at her, and she goes, would you like to change your order? No, I don't want to change my order. That was good. It's delicious. I was like, but I'm going to keep a cup, soft serve ice cream. She said, okay, but do you want to try any more flavors before you, she points up the screen, and I see cookie butter on the screen. And I was like, you don't have Eggo flavored Pop-Tart, do you? No. I said, I said, yeah, I, I said, I'd like to try, I'd like to try cookie butter before I order. And she goes, I tell you what, I'm going to mix it with ice cream. And I was like, okay, you do you, boo. You're like, okay. And, and so she goes and she mixes, she brings it back. She goes, here, try this. And I try it. Once again, lick the whole, I mean, it's just delicious. I throw it away. I look at her, she goes, would you like to change your order? I said, no, I'm not going to change my order. I said, but I'm going to tell you what. The next time I come here, I am getting cookie butter and ice cream mix. Like, I'm getting it, right? She's like, okay. She rang it up, got my ice cream. It's great. The reason I tell you that story is I thought it was interesting that because this place is known for this mixture of gelato and ice cream or or, uh, ice and ice cream I thought it was interesting that when I stepped up and said can I have a cup of ice cream that she didn't go are you stupid do you see where you are this is not Sonic 
Do you know what we're known for? We are known for the ice mixture with the ice cream. If you don't order it, get out of this place. She didn't say that, you know? Or like, let me try it. And she goes, you know, do you want to change your order? And I try it and she's like, now do you understand how stupid you are? Like there was never this interaction for us. She just sat there and went, would you like to try it? Do you like, would you like to change your order? No, okay, no problem, no problem. Would you like to try this? Okay. When I, when I finally told her, no, I don't want to change it, she just said, okay, great. Hope to see you again. The driving force of loving people well is not attempting to prove we are right. It's to prove that God is good by letting them experience him through us. When people get to experience, look, can I show you what it's like to preach the gospel in a culture that is falling away from God? Would you like to change your order? No, I don't want to. Okay, what? Try this. Just, just experience this meekness. Experience my mercy. Experience this peace. Experience the pure. Can you just experience God for a moment? Experience. Come to at the movies and experience God. Would you like to change your order? No. Cool. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, let's go hang out. Experience God. Would you like to change your order? No. All right. Cool. Let's go. Let's go hang out. It's continuing to show people God through love. It's not about proving that we're right. When we lived in Memphis, I, I like to get my hair cut every two weeks. Just thing for me. Um, well, let me, let me, before I go into that, let me share this with you. It's a quote from J.S. Knox. Powerful quote. It says, you cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. Isn't that powerful? You can't yell at them and put them down and show them the love of God at the same time. Once again, Paul is writing. This time he's writing to the church in Corinth. Y'all have heard me talk about this. The letter is called Corinthians. Writing to the church in Corinth. Watch what he says. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I, I gain nothing. This is the Apostle Paul, probably one of the best gospel-sharing people outside of Christ, of course. And he's saying that I can do all these things, but if I don't have love, I got nothing. I can want to see my neighbor saved, but if I'm not presenting them the love of God, I'm doing nothing. I can want to see my family changed, but if I'm not modeling the love of Jesus, I'm doing nothing. Without love, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I know is insignificant. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. Our ability to love well, even while we're persecuted, we love well. The goal isn't to create an us versus them mindset, because that's what I think people think Christianity is. Us Christians versus them non-Christians. That was never the goal of Jesus. Now Jesus liked to separate himself from religious people, but he was constantly going after those that needed hope and salvation. Here's what the real mindset is, is to communicate real hope and to build a bridge to God with the good news of the gospel. 
I shared about my haircut experience when we lived in Memphis. I found this place, and there was a Kroger that we would go to to do our grocery shopping. It was by our house, and there was a Supercuts next to it. And I don't know about you, um, but I get scared anytime I'm getting my hair cut by somebody for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, you need, once you find a good haircut person, you stick with them because you know surprises. You know what I'm saying? Because bad haircuts can make you look rough immediately. And so I find this lady, a really nice lady. She's cutting my hair. She does a great job. And so I started going back to her frequently. She was not a Christian, but she loved, she's very outgoing, very fun. She loved to tell me her life stories. And I would just listen to them. And they were pretty intense. And I would listen to them. And I, ne I never once, you know, she would say, what do you do? For? And I'd say, I'm a pastor of the church. And she was like, oh, really? You know, and this stuff would happen. And i just keep on talking. And when she said jokes that were funny, I laughed. You know, she's like, can you laugh at that? I'm like, it was funny, you know? Like, and when as she would talk about stuff, I'd just be like, yeah, that makes sense. I never once, never once judged her. Never once told her that she was a bad person or that she shouldn't be doing this or she shouldn't be doing that. We had such a unique relationship, y'all, that one day I'm in Kroger, and she sees me, and she runs up to me in the line at Kroger, and she's so excited because she's pregnant. Now, she goes on to tell me that she doesn't know who the father is, that she was not obviously not in a relationship at the time, but she's, like, she's not in her mind going, well, you're a pastor, so you're probably going to judge me. Like, she's just so excited. I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, Donna's going to get you, like, the right thing for the baby to wear. I don't even know what you call that stuff anymore. I'm too old. Um, but I'm, I was so excited for her. Like, this is so great. This is so great. And just kept walking with her in it. So I go get my hair cut. And she starts talking to me about it. And I'm like, well, you know, what's happening? Well, what do you think about this? And I just start slowly but surely, you want, you want to try this flavor? You, you see, you sure you don't want to try this flavor? Just slowly but surely. No, I don't want to change my order. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. It was just this constant back conversation, week after week after week. I'm talking about probably two years, y'all. She ends up meeting this really great guy. And she ends up deciding to get married to him. And guess who she asked to officiate the wedding? Right? We're in conversation about the wedding. And she says to me, Pastor, what does it mean to be saved? right there in our conversation, I get the opportunity to lead her to it. Darla and I are at her wedding. We've done the wedding, and she's taking me around and showing me to everybody, and she's so excited to introduce me to her friends because we loved well. If I'm going to engage with culture without compromising my faith, I can live well while also loving stand for what I believe in and I can love the hell out of people. I can show them Jesus. I can love them. I can be, you know, I don't have to be like, well, you shouldn't say that around me. I'm a man of the cloth. It's not even me. No, I'm with you. Let's talk about life. But when it comes time that you want to change your order, Guess who's going to be standing there? I'm right here for you. You ready to change your order? That's, if the second you're ready, I'm there for you. Her son ended up being born and had some, some issues. Guess who prayed with her through it? Guess what couple she came to when she was hurt and crying and they didn't know what to deal with? Do you think if there was ever a point where I chastised her or judged her that she would have come to us in any of those opportunities? 
No. Pastor, I don't know, I don't really know how to love well without changing the way I live. It all goes back to relationship. Jesus never asked us to be perfect. Watch this. Your realness plus God's grace is the perfect platform to show people what God can do in their lives. You're righteous because of Jesus. So walk in your righteousness. But there's a difference between righteousness and religion. And we have to be able to walk in the love and the grace of God to a point that who we really are, this is just who I am. It's just who I am. Every mistake and all, every flaw, here I am. But I'm covered by the grace of God and I love Jesus. And when people see that, they want to change. But I can do it in the midst of persecution. I want to live a life so full of love and so full of grace that people who don't know me or I'm sorry, people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I want to live a life so full of grace and love that people who know me but don't know God want to know God because they know me. I think this was what Jesus meant by the Beatitudes. Be these things and you'll be blessed because at some point you'll be in heaven walking around and an individual will come up to you and they'll say, because you loved me, I met Jesus. Blessed are the meek because other people get to experience God. Blessed are the merciful because other people get to experience God. Blessed is the peacemaker because other people get to experience God. Blessed are the pure in heart because other people get to experience God. Blessed are the persecuted because other people... Do you, do you see a pattern here? Jesus is saying it's not about us, church. We're saved, covered in the grace of God. We'll walk in heaven and enjoy everything. It's not about us. So let's humble ourselves so that someone else might get to know God. Amen? So there's two action steps to this entire series. Let's wrap it up. Do me a favor. Everybody stand. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. I'm going to do action step number two first. Action step number two is this. You get to provide hope for somebody else. Can we go back to making it our mission of showing people Christ? It's like when 2020 came, we, locked, we got all frazzled and didn't know how to tell people about Jesus anymore. It's like I want to invite them to church. I'm not sure if they like to sit near people. Like it's kind of awkward. We'll just do it anyway. Getting back to it. And, and what better series than at the movies to do it, right? What better opportunity than right now for you to start showing hope to the people in your life, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members. So as Jesus is giving you the Beatitudes, if you notice, the Beatitudes started with you emptying yourself. And it ended with you being filled. So it's showing that hope to other people, but it's also this, you have hope. And all you've got to do is empty yourself, and God promises to fill you. So let it out. God promises to do the filling. So I want to pray over you.
then we're going to sing this song one more time in declaration. But I'm just going to say an overall prayer. If, if you're in here, you never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, I'd love to talk with you. But I just want to do two general prayers. Number one is this. I want you in this room to find hope in Jesus. That you today will pour yourself out so that God can fill you up. Number two, I want you to walk out of these doors today challenged to go share that hope with somebody else. I want your prayer to be that you want a life of love and grace so that people who know you but don't know God want to know God because they know Let that be our prayer. Amen? Father, I thank you right now for everybody in this room. I thank you for this series. I thank you for your word that is alive and life-changing. And I pray that all the things you've encouraged us to do that we would start embodying today. And while we will be blessed and we will receive something from you, it's way more about helping other people find you. Helping other people learn who you really are. The grace of Jesus. To love people like you love them. For the person in this room that came in today needing hope, you are hope. For a person who came in this room today thinking you were something else, let them know your love. Hey, let them be emptied so that you can fill them up. And as they walk out of here today filled, and as every person who walks out of here today filled, will walk out on a mission to give hope to somebody who's hopeless, to give love to somebody who needs love, to be ready to be persecuted so that somebody might find salvation. I pray over these next four weeks, Father, that you would use us as tools to bring people in this building so they would come to know you. We're going to preach the gospel like never before and let them experience you and be saved. But again, let us be empty so that we can be full. Father, we pray and we sing these words of promise that your kingdom of heaven may come here and that it's ours. We love you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.